Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And today we're going to be looking at a recent Australian film that uh, did beautifully all over the place, probably more than uh, they expected or the audience expected. Sam Cle- Sam Klemp's Time Machine is an extraordinary look at uh, how uh, someone might uh, contemplate their life and also a film that uh, is uh, extremely unusual in relation to uh, the uh, sort of thing that... Uh, a uh, person would uh, be wanting the rest of the world to know about themselves personally. Uh, very difficult film to make. And uh, today on uh, we've got uh, Matthew Bate, from the director, who is going to give us some idea about how this film came about. G'day, Matt. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Thank yeah. You. I watched the film the other day and I was deeply impressed by uh, the uh, not only the subject matter but the audacity of your filmmaking style. It was a bit like poetry meeting facts. <laughs> Thank you. That's a nice way uh, nice of putting it. Thank you. That's, uh, yeah, we tried to uh, make a kind of... I guess it is a poetic film. Uh, it, it juxtaposes the life of a sort of everyday nobody. We call him an extraordinary nobody, with you know, with a kind of co- in a cosmic kind of perspective. So that's nice to nice to hear. Thank you. So, in actual fact, what you've got is I, I realised that uh, when I watched the film that, uh, uh, and people may not know this, but uh, Sam Klemp is a real person. And he spent from 1977, I think it was, uh, documenting himself using many forms of audiovisual. Uh, it's almost a a, um, a browse through technological advancements in uh, no, cinematography. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I sort of see him as the original sort of vlogger or, or or Facebooker in a way. He was kind of doing these status updates, um, you know, from when he was very young, and decided that every year he was going to sort of do a, do a sort of update of his life and tell the camera which is he, he, where he talks to posterity about his, his life. So you kind of see a, his entire life unfold on camera kind of very narcissistically. I guess, you know, years before the idea of social media and, and 
what we're all doing now, which is updating our lives daily in Twitter and Facebook and so on. He, he was doing sort of in the analog form on Super A and then on video and then on digital. And now he's using his, his you know, uh, he's got a selfie stick with a um, GoPro on the end. So, yeah, it's amazing to see that technology and but now he, self-promotion. Yeah, and self-promotion. I mean, it was sort of like a person... A, a, a person who didn't really know where to go with uh, his great desire to become famous. And in fact, you have a little sequence there where he says, uh, before you take him to the ultimate, which was uh, uh, broadcasting his life to deep space, he says, uh, oh, are you going to take me to a place where I can um, uh, generate fame? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he kind of, I think he kind of, when YouTube came along, he realized there was an outlet for all of this stuff, and um, that's how I found him. He just did a sort of super cut of his life where he grew young, he grew from from being a sort of slightly obese 50-something guy, and you can see him kind of grow young like Benjamin Button. Yeah, so like when YouTube came along, it was like a natural kind of home for his for his uh, outpourings. Yeah, now, and for people out there who haven't seen this film, they might think that this is a very strange kind of an oblique kind of thing to be uh, making into a feature, a ninety-minute or so feature film. Now, of course, there w- would have been logistical difficulties before we get on to some of the. Uh, logi- uh, patterning of the film itself to make it into something watchable, which is one of the things that your team sat down and actually says in the film. How do we make it watchable? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, The... uh, uh, oh, there was something I was going to say. Uh, the the uh, the different uh, levels of um, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, I mean, he's walking along and he makes all the noises that a person shouldn't do when they're using a microphone cable and all that sort of the different levels of quality of the material that you had to deal with. That must have been really a difficult logistical problem. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the whole film was. But in a way, very difficult because you have a guy's life. He's an amateur sort of filmmaker um, who sort of is making it up as he goes along. But I think there's a certain beauty in, in all of that. I mean, some of the footage we we premiered last night in Australia at um, the Adelaide Film Festival. We saw it on a giant screen and, and oh, early stuff. Uh, fantastic. Stuff shot on Super 8 is, you know, I mean, it's very grungy. But I don't know. I think there's a real beauty to that. And I kind of see the film in a way like... Uh, you know, he he's a failed filmmaker in a way, or he sees himself as a failed filmmaker. He set out when he was very young to become, you know, Orson Welles, um, and and he sort of believes that he didn't, you know, sort of eventuate that that dream. But I when I see him as, you know, having made a kind of punk rock kind of citizen, citizen Kane, you know, I think that what he did to, to, to document his life to create this incredible home movie, video diary, self-portrait. I, I saw a real beauty in it. So I love that material. I love that kind of grungy video, home movie stuff. It's raw, it's gutsy, and it's, it's just beautiful. I do too. And, and uh, you uh, honour that by having this thread running through it, which is uh, the pseudo-scientific, well, it's not, pseudo uh, the the um the advertising material that would go with uh 
publicising NASA's explorations into deep space. Yeah, there's a, there's a framing device we use in the film, which is a French film, French documentary about the Voyager Golden Record. And this is, the film is the story of Sam Klemke, who you know, starts out in 1977 to document his life and create a kind of self-portrait of, hum, of what it's like to be human. And NASA sent the Voyager off into space in 1977 with a golden record attached, which Carl Sagan put together, which was like an, a, which was a message to aliens. And it was a self-portrait of humanity. And it was meant to say, this is what we look like. This is what we sound like. Here's Bach and Beethoven. Here are images of life on Earth. So the film parallels these two stories of self-portraiture. And I think the film, if anything, is about self-portraiture. Yeah, it's fantastic. How did you get to that? Because that would have been effectively the... There's two of you who wrote this script. Uh, but you also had some story consultants. I know that's a nice grand title, but you must have been mates sitting around thinking, using your brains to work out how you could tease this into something significant or or not just significant, but expressing the reason for why you thought this was a good story to tell in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. The Voyager is a sort of, as I said, a framework. It It was the way of commenting upon things about Sam Kremke's archive that stirred in me and, and us about time and memory and mortality and what it means to be human. And rather than narrate the film myself or some other way of sort of contextualizing that, that, that those ideas, we used the Voyager and, and this French documentary as a way to kind of talk about the Voyager but also talk about Sam. And yeah, and us, really. Themes. And us as well, I guess. Oh, absolutely. It's about, it's definitely about, I mean, that's what, I, I see Sam Kremke in the same way that I see Homer Simpson. And the reason we like yeah. Homer is that he's an everyday character with flaws and foibles and all of that. And they're beautiful. And I see the same sort of thing in Sam, that he's a sort of, as I said, as the title of the, the second title of the film, it's a portrait of an extraordinary nobody, which we all are in a way. If we shine a light into all of our lives, we are kind of these extraordinary nobodies. Yeah, yeah. I also uh, loved the way you uh, stage managed or have a very open minded approach to documentary filmmaking because you effortlessly uh, took the Miles sort of uh, approach and stepped straight in there yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And you involved yourself in exposing how this epic was being constructed. Yeah, it's uh, without giving too much away, but yeah, I did. I I think we had to show our hand in a way because um, you, you, we had to sort of show that this this guy's life was being curated by someone in the same way that Carl Sagan and his team at NASA had sort of curated the Voyager Golden Record. There was a team of people behind the curation of of Sam Kremke's life, and so I think it was important we tell the film chronologically and it, it gets to this point in 2011 where he s- talks to camera and he says i've just been contacted by this guy mm-hmm. in uh, in in adelaide australia he wants to make a film about me and then the film kind of just becomes very meta and then ex- explodes outwards <laughs> you know it's funny you know i i was watching i got to that those, those I, I found it deeply amusing in fact i burst out laughing and um i was wondering if Anybody but an Australian could make this film. 
I wonder what that means. I, I know, why. what does that mean? But it was, I, I just thought, it, you know, that uh, phrase, taking the piss out of someone, sort of came to mind. But yeah, it's, it's much I, more you know, gentle than that, really. It is, yeah. And no, I mean, look, we do, we do kind of take the piss in the same way. And I felt like I could because Sam sort of takes the piss out of himself. He's very self-aware and, and uh, he knows who and what he is. Um, so I do poke fun at him a bit in the film, but I, I also sort of redeem him in a, in a kind of big way, I think. I think so too. Um, you're on Showreel listening to Annie having a chat, that's me, having a chat with uh, Matthew Bate about his film Sam Klempt's Time Machine, which is going to be in Melbourne on Sunday, October the 25th at 4pm and you get to listen to a question and answer with Matthew and the star of the movie, Sam Klempt. He must be in town. He's in town. He was in uh, Adelaide last night in front of a packed audience, and uh, he's always wanted to come to Australia. He's um, tried to stow away on a ship bound for Australia in 1976. He's just the sort of thing. He'd do. Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, looking forward to to seeing you all. (laughs) (laughs) And that's at the Nova, of course. Now, before uh, I'm not going to let you go. You have to hang around a bit longer. I am really quite fascinated by the team that you work with, uh, Closer Productions. Now, you guys do extraordinary things. I interviewed Sophie Hyde on her 52 Tuesdays film. Now, she acted as a producer for this film. So what I'm... A figure is that you guys are, are um, collaborate. You you know, one group does one project, and you work on different uh, yeah, facets. Yeah, that's right. Explain yeah, we yourself. all kind of um, pitch in and and kind of sit in rooms together, and you know, one of us has an idea, and we all sit in a room and and talk about it, and go over it, and rip it to shreds, and rip each other to shreds, and then put each other back together again, and do all that so yeah Sophie was a I mean Rebecca Summerton is the principal producer on the film Sophie um, was sort of uh, the I don't know what you call it was, was a producer, producer but, um, whatever yeah took less of the lead um, but yeah it's a very, is this about very... uh, learning how to do the different part tasks sorry say that again is that is that uh, a, a part of learning how to do the different tasks. I mean, because this is a political statement. You guys aren't putting yourself into little boxes. You are actually hands-on doing anything that's required. Yeah, I think that's the way that we've grown up making films. I mean, we've obviously been, we've been making films together. We went to university together. We've known each other for, for many, many years. Sophie and Brian, who you know met on one of my film sets, now have a child together. So it's very <laughs> much a kind of family affair. Um, so, But we've always... You know, you come out of short filmmaking and you beg, borrow and steal and that mentality um, of a kind of DIY thing is, is we, we still maintain. We don't like the idea of, I don't know, this is almost a fear or that if you go off and do these big budget films with, you know, big, I don't know, that it would lose something. But not to say that we wouldn't do that. I just think we'd still maintain that sort of, team, collaborative, do-it-yourself approach, I think. But you see, you've also, uh, by taking this view, the films that you guys have made, Closer Productions have made, are really quite extraordinary. I mean, Sam Klimt's Time Machine is not an ordinary film. 
No, it's, I said last night, I got a bit embarrassed at the end of the film, because I, I, I beat myself up when I watched my own film, and I, I was there in the audience last night going, oh, God. <laughs> and I think the first thing I got up when I was just like, this is the, this, what have I made? And this is in front of a packed audience. What what what, what did we just see? I, I sort of said it myself. I watched the film and go, what is this? What, what, what? It's, it's, just, it's a very, very strange beast. But I think that that's the point, and... I mean, just to reiterate what you're saying, because, again, we work in low budget often, I think that we have to take extraordinary risks with the film. So 52 Tuesdays, for instance, was shot every Tuesday for a year, which is probably the worst way to make a film. You do not shoot films chronologically, but there was something in that process that we thought would bring magic to the film. And it did. Um, It's a magical film. You know, Sam Klemke is a sort of... I mean, so I can't remember who said it, Variety or someone reviewed it and said it was unclassifiable, and I think that's a, a fantastic <laughs> co- compliment. I do too. I think so too. Now, there's other elements to this because it's been recognised as being quite out there by um, <laughs> by uh, the associations. I mean, Sundance, you were part of a uh, thing that they called... What was it? Uh, it's New Frontier. Yeah, that's right. New Frontiers. It sounds like uh, one of those science programs they used to have on when I was a kid. The news. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, New Frontier is. It's amazing, actually. I mean, we we were in competition a couple of years ago with this film called Shut Up a Man, and Fifty Two Tuesdays was also in competition. But this was. This has got a sidebar, which is not in competition. It's 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 New Frontiers is kind of a part of Sundance that champions films that break boundaries and are just generally weird, basically, and, and wonderful. <laughs> so we, we, we fitted in very well, I think. Yeah, well, I was pretty impressed. I mean, I, I just found it uh, uh, quite liberating, actually. I, I found right, it a, a quite a liberating experience watching this film. It was like a uh, a film, a, a, uh, what would it classically be called an experimental f- film, but it had direction. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, actually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was an experiment from the beginning. I've always said that that it was a, it was something that, as all great experiments could do, they it could have failed epically. And um, and I think there's, there maybe if it's anything, it's a noble. There was a noble kind of pursuit of experimentalism about this film. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And the other thing that people should take into account are the uh, the beautiful use of um, music which is original music, and also the um, 3D animation and the digital effects. Yeah, I mean, the music's a big part of this. I mean, the Voyager, there's two parts of the film, and there's the analogue synthesizer score for the French film, and then the um, all the music from the Voyager Golden Record, which is, you know, incredible music. I mean, it's pygmy music, it's Navajo Indians, you know, Peruvian panpipes. It's just... Georgian choir. I mean, it's just epic, epic music that when you put, it kind of works in space. You know, this is this is the music that we sent to aliens to to say, this is how fantastic humanity is that we should be able to create this this music. So the music kind of you know glues together the space opera and Sam's life, and so we're in the cosmos, and then we're in the suburbs with Sam eating in bed eating nachos. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And and the other thing, I, I mean, I have to point this out because I was really found it curious, the business about the uh, humans in silhouette and that the woman is a pregnant woman, which yeah. I just found that bizarre. 
They well, s- they see women. Uh, they saw women as producers of children. That's it. Yeah. Well, they wanted to desexualize the image. I mean, one of the ideas is to put a naked um, portrait of man and woman to send to the to our alien neighbours to say, "This is who we are." And America being the prudish nation it is, and NASA being who they are, the government had um, censored it, so they put a silhouette of us. <laughs> so what, it's, it's an interesting idea that we want to tell aliens who we are, but um, we, we were not allowed to show our, our boobs or willies. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Um, you've uh, taken this film to uh, not just... Uh, oh, well, I should... Uh, one of the reasons for why you were at the Adelaide Film Festival is... Uh, where did you get your funding from? We got it from the Adelaide... Partly from the Adelaide Film Festival and um, Screen Australia's old signature doc fund, which was a great sort of fund which was encouraging, you know, the more experimental cinematic documentary filmmaking and also from the South Australian Film Corporation. Yeah, well, there you go. And uh, you've won an Augie? We won an Augie for the script, which is interesting for a documentary. I mean, I think documentaries, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, all, it's been an ongoing argument about what, where, what is the writing in a, in, a, in a documentary. But I think with this one, you're listening to Community Radio. 3CR. 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 855 AM. So how much footage did you actually have to work with? We had a lot of footage from Sam. I mean, you know, over 200 plus hours of stuff from him and then all of the NASA archival and so on. So it was, it was a huge project, huge project. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, the other thing is that uh, you were at Hot Docs and you also went to the Rotterdam International Film Festival. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how um, how fantastic a festival life this film has had. I mean, maybe, as we were talking about before, the, the sort of wackiness of the film and, and experimental nature of it, in a way, I think is attractive to a festival. I mean, festivals want to see films that, like, you know, sort of which they've never seen before and maybe this kind of felt, falls into that category maybe that's why we keep getting into these fantastic festivals so yeah it's had a wonderful life now it's interesting in a funny kind of way this is the last thing i'll ask you before i let you go and you can get on with your more in- interesting life uh the um it, it's sort of interesting it, it, it uh it occurred to me that uh it starts off as a reflection of a person who finally finds their home now that the digital age is obsessed with self. Mm. Uh, and then you made a film using a film format, which is actually in a kind of uh, funny uh, position. Uh, that format, you know, a feature film format, has now become almost uh, old. In its its uh, yeah scent, in, in its uh, structure, but it, I wonder it, if it will ever die, though. I think. No, I don't either. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it will. I think we're um, it's too great an art form. It's too it's too, it has such a an historical legacy that um, it do you think will it's an essay? The ultimate. What do you think that? it's like an essay form, but visual? I think the film that we've made is, is entirely an essay, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably the strength of a. Well, you see, it's quite intelligent. It's a very intelligent exploration, and it creeps up on you like stress, this film. Right. I think that's, uh, that's 
I'm good. I'm glad. I, I think it is. It's one of those films you watch at the beginning and think, "Why? What? I don't what know am what I doing I'm, here?" I'm watching, and it kind of unfolds and kind of it reveals itself over the course of that 90 minutes. So, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me about it. Because, as I said, I I watched it and I thought it was hilarious and fantastic. Thanks for having me. I should just mention also that we're. I think we're screening in Acme as well. On. The 27th and 28th in Melbourne too. So oh right. Nova so, yeah. do, are you having a um, season at Nova? No, we're having a very short. We're doing a very short run around Australia. So we're going to get like Mona and um, Golden Age in Sydney, and so one screening at Nova on the 25th, and then Acme 27th, 28th of, uh, of this month. Oh, cool. Okay, Mona's yeah. fun. Have you that been to be Mona amazing. before? And, uh, Brian, no, I've been there a few times. My parents live there. So, oh, well, um, wonderful. Brian Ritchie's going to do the Q&A, which is great, the ex-Violent Femmes guy, so that should be fun. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank More you strength to your me. arm. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. And that was Matt Fate, who has made this extraordinary film called Sam Klempk's Time Machine. And as he was saying, he is there is a a single screening at uh, Nova, which is has got a that Sunday October the twenty fifth at four pm. Sunday screenings are very popular, so if you want a ticket, you probably should uh, go online or ring him up and book. Question and answer with uh, Matthew Bate and Sam Klempk, and uh, <laughs> it will be worthwhile going to that question and answer because Sam Klempk is a real card. And uh, so that's Sunday October the twenty fifth at four pm, and. Obviously, it's also going to be at Acme on the 27th and 28th. And I swear, it is really worth having a look at. Coming up next is Published or Not. And I'm going to go away with uh, a bit of this thing, which we'll, we'll probably actually get to hear the whole lot of let me think let me think is is it worthwhile looking for something that will take you to the next program with great and wondrous happiness well this particular person always makes you happy so i'm signing off this is annie for uh, one more show reel You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.